This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DeFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 101 of the Muscles and Management Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. I uh, just want to thank you guys officially for 100 episodes. Uh, we're also about to hit 100,000 downloads this week, so pretty damn cool. Um, you know, I like I said the last like two episodes. Like I keep reiterating this. I don't want to you know say it over and over again, but uh, none of this would be possible without the support from you guys, the amazing guests that I've had, and uh, all of that kind of wrapped up into a perfect storm that this has all been. So I I, I would have never. Um, guess that this would be what it has turned into uh but it has gotten to this point and it's been fun and i'm gonna keep enjoying the ride so um thank you for for all of that um i am going on another recording tear and some of the guests that i'm gonna be having on and this is gonna be a really cool list uh tony gentlecore mike whiteman otherwise known as hound strength on twitter ken cronin who's director of sports performance for umass uh umass Lowell, sorry, UMass Lowell, uh, specifically works with a lot of the hockey players. Emily Bugato, um, registered dietitian, really, uh, you know, knowledgeable person with nutrition. I've done her episode already last week. It went really well. Des Pfeiffer, who Emily works for, uh, has a really successful training business, mostly online, and she does some awesome stuff. And I want to talk to her all things about business and things like that. Uh, just a young, bright future, you know, um, up and coming person. And she's already pretty established. I don't think up and coming is the right word to use, but she's killing it. And I want to talk to her about uh, business and kind of how she's gotten everything running and, you know, some business advice for some of the coaches who listen to this show. And then speaking of business, Mike Rathwell, CEO of Driveline, will be on as well. So working on locking those down. Really excited for those. Uh, also, please continue to hit me with feedback, comments, questions, etc. cetera. Uh, it, expire, it inspires topics for the show and helps me make it better for you guys. And I love talking about things that you guys want to hear about and like structuring the show in a way that you want to, you want it to be structured. So please do not hesitate to continue to do that. Uh, Wednesday, so in two days from now, we will have Rugby Strength Coach on, and I am thrilled about that episode and how that went. You guys are going to love that one. Really high-level guest that you guys are going to love, talking about the education system for strength coaches, uh, the high-performance model, agility, all different types of stuff, like through the entire conversation, just up and down, that like, covers a lot of things, and he was just so easy to talk to. We hit it off, and I felt like we could have talked for hours, so that was really cool. You guys will love that. Episode 100. If you haven't listened to it yet, last Wednesday, Lee Taft was on skill development, uh, adductor training, sprint training, all of the above. Check it out if you haven't. And then uh, episode 99, last week's Meathead Monday, optimizing skill development for athletes, kind of how I go about doing that and some of my advice for that. So check those out if you have it and look forward to the Rugby Strength Coach episode 102 on Wednesday. All right. So advice for optimizing sprint training for team sport athletes. That is the name of the show for today. Why Why is that the show for today and what got me thinking on this? Um, I, I want to say the biggest thing that inspired this topic is I feel like sometimes um, sprinting and speed training can get overly complicated, unnecessarily complicated or complex for athletes who compete in team sports, coaches who coach athletes in team sports and things like that. Um, mechanics are important, but I do feel like we have to understand the limitations of what our sport, 
uh, provides in terms of how much we can actually reach those mechanics. And I think that, you know, if we get too wrapped up into that stuff, it could actually be detrimental. And we need to understand, like, what do we need to actually spend our time on and what can we shift of our attention onto other things? So um, I, why do I think it becomes too complex? I, mechanics are important, but we have to remember that sports are not played in, like, perfect environments. Uh, speed is only a part of what goes into most sports. You have the skill of the sport itself the uh, other athletes in the environment that we have to interact with and things like that. Like we need to really understand that seldom are we put in a position where we can, you know, implement these perfect mechanics that we could do on a track or on turf or whatever it is in an ideal environment. Um, you know, it can be a little confusing and unnecessary for team sport athletes and coaches to get really, really, really deeply entrenched and immersed in the mechanics of perfect sprinting. You know, I think if you get yourself to an above average level, um, you know, and, and really know what to focus on after that. Like, I think, you know, sitting there and working for two hours a week, uh, an hour, let's say two different days a week on, you know, getting the exact, uh, angle you want of your body and getting your foot to line up to exactly where you want it to. Like, let's get ourselves really good at that. But like, let's not get to the point where that's all that we're doing. We have a lot more to focus on as, um, strength coaches and as athletes, and we have to account for the limited time as well. So, you know, we might be with larger teams, different environments have limited amount of days of training. Um, pre, let me uh, preliminarily say this, that this is not, I mean, I'd hope you don't think this by now because of like all the stuff that I talk about, but like, I am not saying sprinting isn't important. I think it's like the most important thing that we do. I just think that the small, minute, mechanical things may not be the most important things for team sport athletes or coaches of team sport athletes to focus on. Uh, we have... Other things we need to focus on, we need to understand that getting them to an adequate level is is good and above every level is good, but there are more important reasons why we sprint. Um, I, I think the biggest reason we sprint and the biggest reason it is important is max output and operational output. So think of max output as like, this is the fastest you could possibly sprint. Uh, so like the fastest a car can drive and think like operational output, like um, you know, what the level of the, uh, your, your output level in less than ideal conditions in your sport where, uh, you can't possibly output as much as you have to, or you don't need to because the sport is played at a slower speed than what you operate at. So think about like a Ferrari driving in a 65 mile an hour time, uh, speed zone. It's not operating at its max output, but a Ferrari can ride at lower RPMs and exert less of itself at 65 miles per hour than like a Ford Focus can then be does 100, right? So that's revving up pretty high. It's driving at a higher output level of what its max is versus a Ferrari, right? So I think with that, this is just a no-brainer. Sprinting is the best way to improve maximum output when it comes to speed. So just on that alone, it should be a staple in our athletes program. And like I said, I can be reiterated that I'm not saying you don't need to sprint. You need to sprint a shit ton. I'm saying that focusing on the very minute details of mechanics might not be like a net absolute need. Um, you know, I, I just, I think the power impact, the plyometric effect and the overall ten in the overall tendency to improve raw power and rate of force is the biggest need in sprinting. Um, I don't think we have athletes sprint team sport athletes and say that the biggest benefit of them sprinting is because we spent a whole week getting better at mechanics. I think we can have times where getting better at mechanics is going to help us. But I think overall, like 80 to 90% of why we're sprinting, the benefit from it is to improving our, you know, overall power output and our max output and getting faster, right? We're not looking at it as like, oh, we get our mechanics locked down because we run the, you know, the 100 next week and, uh, you know, we have to make sure that everything's perfect or else we're going to lose to that guy that's next to us who's focusing on the same thing. 
rarely are we in an exactly perfect environment like in the 100 or on a track or whatever where we can even have the opportunity to exert those type of mechanics, right? Um, so above all else, if we can improve our max output, so max speed in like a confined and perfect setting or like a setting that allows us to run up to our max speed and isn't like stopping us and, and getting us to stop and go again and stop and go again, um, this can have huge impacts on our operational output. So... This basically says that if we do something in a perfect environment and that goes up, like our, our overall uh, threshold goes up, our performance at less than ideal scenarios in a game will go up with it. So uh, the running back that, you know, it has the ball on his arm and has pads on, like obviously can't exert the exact perfect mechanics they would on the track with their speed coach or on the turf or whatever it is. But even if you're putting that helmet on and those pads and holding that ball, if you're running, if your speed in that perfect environment goes from like uh, X amount, like let's say, 19 miles per hour and then you get it up to 21 miles per hour that's going to carry over to your usual speed with your pads which is going to be 14 or 15 it'll go up to 16 right so it does work hand in hand like that and that i that i think is the single most important reason why we have to be sprinting with our athletes um it's also going to be a two bird and one stone kind of scenario so if the out max output goes up and we're even faster than the average pace of play for the sport we play we're also improving aerobic capacity and conditioning and our overall and other energy systems because what we're doing in our sport in general is less taxing on us because of that um i do believe that we need to get better mechanics and strive to get them to an above average level uh but i just i think our ultimate goal comes in power output um, I, I think this because the nature of sports seldomly puts us in a position to be able to even demonstrate perfect sprint mechanics uh, for if they ever do happen for that long of a time and they might not happen at all. Like I think there's too much going on in sports. There's opponents you're reacting to, the equipment you're wearing, the playing surface, um, the you know need to kind of start and stop based on the size of the uh the playing surface so in basketball like these very very tall and long-limbed athletes are you know they're able to get from the the foul line to the opposite foul line in in six strides like what makes you think we need to sit there and and focus on the most impressive and uh efficient and perfect top speed mechanics the 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 likelihood of them entering that zone for that long of a time is so low why don't we more so have the mindset that we're focusing on top speed work with them because we're trying to improve their overall speed uh, to, to beat out their opponents or to uh, lessen the stresses or the fatigue that they're going to have from sprinting foul line to foul line on a fast break? Um, you know, I, I don't think the decisions that are required that we have to make as athletes in these sports settings, um, you know, the athletes we adjust to, the, the physical contact, like it disrupts what we're doing so much that I don't think harping on perfect mechanics is necessary. And it's even going to be a waste of time. Like we're never going to get in that position, get them to a level that's adequate enough. I'm not advocating to say like, Oh, your, your athlete lands their foot three inches in front of their hip when they accelerate, like just let it go. Just keep having them sprint. Like let's fix that. But if they're getting under their hip and then their one stride on one sprint is just slightly in front of their hip, like it's okay. It's going to happen. They're going to bump into that athlete on the basketball court. They're going to bump into the defender. If they're a, a receiver, a quarterback, or a running back in football, it's going to throw them off a bit. It's like, can we improve their max output to the point where they can perform at a much better level in their sport because their operational output has gone up because their max output has gone up. It makes their energy systems better. And they're just overall more powerful and explosive athletes. Um, and, and like, I keep saying this, but like, I don't want the, the uh, entire track or speed community to kill me. Like, 
Efficiency is huge for energy leaks, like making yourself less tired and exerting more. Huge. Uh, you can enhance your overall speed with improving efficiency. You can lower and uh, reduce injury likelihood. Like you need to make sure that we are in a at least above average mechanical point uh, standpoint because you can have injuries occur. But we have to remember that these athletes have other priorities, and the sport that they're playing isn't going to produce the most ideal uh, environment for them to exert these uh, perfect mechanics or impl- uh, apply these perfect mechanics, right? We also, like I said about the other responsibilities, we have other responsibilities as athletes and we have to consider volume too. So this is getting a little bit more into um, the the approach or the application side of what we're doing with sprinting and less of the mechanics. But, um, you know, we have to practice our sports skill, uh, lift and train our upper body, you know, lower volume and minimum effective dose. We hear minimum effective dose get talked about all the time. I'm not saying, you know, always go for the least amount that you can do. But if you can get the effect you want in terms of the power output increasing from sprints, from four to six sprints, why would I do 15 sprints, right? If I know that my athlete has to go out to football, basketball, baseball practice, they're going to do more speed uh, and sprinting and running. Why would I implement that many sprints when I can get the effect that they want and also save them for the most important thing they're doing, the sport? We have to realize as strength coaches, and I talked about this with rugby strength coach, but you know, sometimes pulling the reins back on what we are doing in terms of like we think we have to get these sprints done and they're super important for our overall goal, but we can d- diminish our overall goal and our little uh, small container of what we do in terms of the strength conditioning if it improves their overall goal of being a really effective athlete, a healthy athlete, a highly performing athlete on the field, right? Take a step back and pull a, pull back a little bit from what we're doing in our isolated uh, time to send them forward and progress them in the uh, you know the biggest thing that they're doing, and that's what we're preparing them for, and that's a win, right? Um, you know, I do think we're needing we need to get sprint work and power work in at least one to two days per week, but consider that you know. There's going to be added volume uh, to sport practices as well. So if you're a coach, get as much info about practice as you can. Know what your athletes are doing when they're not with you so that you can make your work with them uh, optimal for their health and performance. And as an athlete, find out what your schedule is so you can tell your coach, your strength coach. Uh, if you're doing your own programming, you can make adjustments to that as well. You need to know these things. So what about sport changes our focus and what should we focus on then if, if from what I'm saying? So mechanics are just a small part of team sports we want to get the athletes to you know adequate or even above average mechanical levels and then let the speed increase improve uh, agility so like the physiological components of change of direction and agility right um you know our acceleration ability so if we have to stop plant ourselves and start again that's huge in acceleration um handling ground forces right so uh being able to have eccentric strength to stop yourself and slow yourself down like you can build a lot of that and, and improve the stiffness in your tendons and ligaments from the ground impacts of sprinting, right? So make sure that we're you know implementing sprints, understanding that that is one of the biggest benefits we're going to get. Um, and as I said, sports limit the ability to get in the exact positions we could achieve when practicing specific sprint mechanics. So think about if you're holding or dribbling a ball as a basketball player or as a running back in football or a receiver or a quarterback scrambling with a ball in your hands, right? Like you're running around and, um, you know, you uh, look, Lamar Jackson is really, really fast, but when he's running with a ball, he's not going to be able to have his most ideal or, or set top speed sprint mechanics, right? Um, you know, hockey players, they're holding a stick while they're skating. And this is even a bigger thing. Like I work with a lot of hockey players. Like I'd be 
absolutely foolish to spend all this time working on the absolute most specific, super, super specific focus on the mechanics of, of sprinting when they're putting a skate on and it's changing the movement. They're holding a stick and it's changing how they can uh, have their posture, right? My utmost responsibility with them is to get them good enough with their mechanics to produce optimal power, so like an acceleration, getting their foot behind their hip and things like that. Um, but my utmost responsibility is to improve their power output, to improve their speed, right? The surfaces change, you know, the hardwood uh, in basketball versus a track if you're doing speed, the turf versus the track, the ice versus the track, it, it, it all has an impact, right? Um, you know, you're running or you're sprinting and having to make decisions based on environments, right? You're not getting that same thing when you're doing a, a straight up linear 40 yard or 50 yard sprint in your speed work. Um, there's not long bouts of linear activity, you know, occurring in team sports. You're stopping and going. There's curves. There's not a lot of just straight away, uh, sprinting that you're doing. And if this is the case, uh, you know, why should we center everything we do on mechanics that occur in situations we may never be in, right? Get them good enough to reduce injury and help us get faster through efficiency, but don't rack your brain through the mechanics. Like, I think that that would be a, a very shallow thought process, not considering the overall scope of what we're doing. Um, all right. So moving a little bit on to some practical, applicable information. So for coaches, we'll start with coaches. Working with a lot of athletes at once, you can't possibly coach each of them individually. Uh, you know, I think some of these tactics can be used, uh, you know, to be effective. So I said this on last week's episode on last week's Meathead Monday, excuse me, but get video and share with athletes so they can see what they're doing. I think that's important. Even if you video like four or five guys sprinting at once, you can isolate any major mistakes that you're seeing. Uh, make sure they're competing. If you can't, if you can't afford or don't have a timing system, a really easy way to get that same effect is to have the athletes race each other to ensure max speed is being, uh, they're, they're performing their sprints at max speed and they're, uh, you know, being done with quality reps. Implement long rests. I don't care if the athletes get impatient, they get annoyed, they're like, I don't feel tired. Explain to them, you're not supposed to feel tired. I tell every athlete the first time that they come into the facility, you will not run a sprint in here without full rest when we're working on speed. Let them understand it right away. Uh, you know, keep queuing to a reduced, like maybe one to two very important aspects of either acceleration or top speed. Don't bog them down. Um, you know, get good changes with these one or two paramount areas of these mechanics and avoid not getting, you know, avoid minimizing any results at all by bogging the athlete down or just spreading yourself too thin. Like if I'm trying to coach 20 athletes, like, Make sure the most important thing is, all right, guys, like most of you I'm seeing have this one problem. Let's focus on this. Don't yell one cue out for 16 of the 20 athletes. Like you're never going to be able to track it. It's going to make you worse as a coach and it's going to give them too much to think about, right? Keep it simple. Accomplish the ground contact with the foot. Or maybe before you do that, just get them on a good angle with their body, like one thing at a time and get the most important things covered, right? If I'm training baseball players, you know, they're seldomly running at, you know, 30 yards of top speed for an extended period of time. I'm not going to sit there and be like, anterior pelvic tilt, get your pelvis neutral, strike down to the ground under the hip. Like those are important cues that we could work on, but we have to understand they're on the field. They're rounding the bases. The the defenders aren't going that far. Like let's not spend all of our time on those things we're never going to get to, right? Um, you know. Let the younger athletes just sprint as hard as they can and rest a lot and zero in some more with the more advanced athletes if you have groups with spread out ages. 
Um, you know, those advanced athletes are going to need more to continue progressing. So you may be able to shift some more of your attention to them and at least mechanically while just letting the other athletes sprint as hard as they can and get the benefit from that for as long as possible. Keep it simple for as long as you can. And also use sleds, uh, sprint starts or like external goals to get the response you may want. So you're not super, super cue and coach driven with a lot of athletes, which is going to be hard to do. Put them in a put them on a sled. If most of your athletes are, are, are struggling with getting a good acceleration angle or, or ground contact, put a sled on them. Um, if you want them to execute a drop step in baseball, have them focus on an external goal so they just naturally do it. Like do things that put them in the positions you want them to be in because it's going to be hard to do it any other way when you have that many athletes. And last but not least, when it comes to the the what can we do to apply these things type of side, the most important thing is for my athlete listeners, what can you be doing right? It's okay to not know every last thing about sprint mechanics. Make sure you are sprinting and getting the plyometric effect of that. That's like the single most important thing, as I've said. Um, rule out any majorly glaring issues and attack them. It's going to help limit major issues that can cause injury or lower efficiency, right? So do get those out of the way, even though I'm saying don't make the, the overall mechanics your biggest concern. Um, understand that you're getting better just from sprinting and that your sport isn't solely predicated on speed mechanics. I used to wrap myself up so much in like, is every athlete getting the most out of the mechanics and getting better at the mechanics like the, 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 the smallest degree? And it's like they're getting better just from sprinting. So relax on that and, and understand that and don't stress out on that. Um, focus on the biggest areas of, of both acceleration and top speed. So for acceleration, your body and shin angle, uh, getting your foot to get good contact under your hip, uh, things like that. Top speed, good vertical knee drive, uh, striking down to the ground with your foot, making sure your posture is correct and you're not having anterior pelvic tilt, your, your hip shifting forward, which could put a lot of undue stress on your uh, your hamstrings, which could lead to injury. So things like that. Um, and when it comes to volume, you know, session recommendations, things like that. When it comes to volume, I guess you need to understand that keep sprints. I like to say in the 12 to 16 rep range in a simple, uh, explanation type of way. Uh, you can always adjust accordingly based on what you have in the, the athlete's sports schedule for the week. But you know, it is also okay to have a day designated to 40 plus minutes of sprint work. Um, you know, as the, the benefits go beyond just the sprints themselves, it's a full body power and, and um, overall power benefit from it. So that's okay. But it also goes with your population too. Like if you have athletes that are, are fast sprinters and they need to get stronger for whatever it is in their sport, you know, maybe you do only one speed day. You have to adjust based on what you're seeing, right? Another thing is too, and I hear a lot of the track coaches I know talk about this, focusing on top speed even for athletes without a spending a lot, that don't spend a lot of time in top speed in their sport is important. It's going to cure a lot just raising your overall ceiling. But if you are an athlete, a team sport athlete, acceleration is going to be so, so important uh, to focus on that should be one of your primary goals, right? It's going to improve our force application from a static position, improve uh, our starting ability after stopping. It's going to improve speed in, in small areas. Like look at you know the uh, components of agility, the physiological components of agility. We have to do a lot of starting and stopping, coupled with how we're uh, interacting with and and uh, becoming attuned and making decisions on our environment. The physiological component of it, a lot of that is on acceleration, stopping ourselves, starting ourselves up again. That is huge, right? As I said, some things to reiterate to finish up. Keep cues simple. Um, make sure they're being run with max speed with full recovery allotted. Use sleds and resisted sprints for the power and mechanical benefit and enhance what you're doing with competition. And I mean, that kind of brings me to the end of everything that I had for today. And I think the biggest thing that I wanted to get out of this is like, for team sport athletes, I want to give you guys a practical, easy to follow approach to how to implement this stuff. So like, I have some knowledge, but I don't, I'm also not, 
giving knowledge out to track uh, athletes. Like I'm not training athletes who sprinting is their sport. I'm trying to get athletes faster who need to get faster for their sport, right? That's a big difference. So um, this has honestly had me thinking a little bit about an ebook. So uh, kind of a shocker here to to end the show. Keep your eye out for that. I've been thinking about doing like a uh, sprinting for team sport athletes type type of thing to make uh, a simple, easy to understand ebook on sprinting that can help athletes of team sports and the coaches as well. You know, without bogging them down with crazy stuff that they might not need. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I look forward to being back with you guys on Wednesday uh, for episode 102 with Rugby Strength Coach. I know you guys are going to love that one. And as I said, keep hitting me with feedback. I love it. It helps me get the show better, and I want to hear what you guys think and, and what you'd like to hear more of. So I hope you guys enjoyed this, and I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Muscles and Management Podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jared Filippo, signing off. I'm the show that's changing the way we view training, sports performance, and business.